Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And once again, no Austin. Surprise, surprise. Um, he may never be back at this point. We don't really know. Um, he's on a milk carton. If anybody has seen him lately, please reach out. Uh, his family is getting concerned. Um, but just me again here today. We have some NFL news to go over, uh, some pro day recaps. Uh, this was a big week here for pro days. So we'll kind of recap some of the news here, what maybe some of that means, uh, how we're reacting to it. Uh, but before we get into it, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for additional NFL or CFF content, Fantasy Points is a great resource. Be sure to head over down there and check out everything that they have to offer. Uh, so we have some NFL news here this week. It's actually pretty quarterback heavy. Um, we'll start with the big one, the obvious one, Lamar Jackson requesting a trade, uh, reportedly on March 2nd. Um, and the re this is the first time this has come out. The news was strategically scheduled to drop as John Harbaugh was speaking at the owners meeting. Um, Lamar Jackson is just doing everything he can here to maintain as much leverage as possible you know, publicly saying that Baltimore is not really willing to meet his demands. Well, it doesn't really sound like any other teams are willing to meet their meet his demands either. I mean, Washington came out this week. Ron Rivera said he's very happy with Sam Howell. He stood behind him, said they will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson. Atlanta and New England have all still said that they're still out. I don't anticipate Carolina getting in on it either, like we've been talking about. They just traded up to the, get the number one pick. They're probably going to go with a rookie quarterback. Um, it, really, the, all the speculation hinges kind of around Indianapolis and what they're going to do. Now, they do pick in a position where they should be able to get a rookie quarterback as well. Honestly, I think that's the route they're going to go. I think Lamar Jackson is overplaying his hand here. And you just really have to worry, is he souring this relationship with Baltimore? Now, obviously, if he came back tomorrow and said, you know what? Yeah, let's come back. Uh, I want to come back. Let's, let's do this. Let's run it back. Baltimore will open him, welcome him back with open arms. Um, but with Lamar Jackson's strategy here, he may be upset with everybody in the rest of the league. Uh, this is probably going to drag out for a while. I don't know if we're going to see a trade uh, or even an offer for Lamar Jackson because he is still on the uh, exclusive rights free agency tag where other teams can make him an offer. We have ha heard nothing of an offer. So I think this is going to drag out well beyond the draft. We're going to get tired of hearing this, but it still is interesting nonetheless. I'm still operating under the assumption he's going to be back in Baltimore, at least on the franchise tag this year. And if not, uh, then you know maybe they do work out a long-term deal. But at this point in time, I just don't see that many suitors out there for him. And, you know, I mean, I, I like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback, so if I'm an NFL franchise, I would be interested in going and getting him, but they do have to pay him as well. And a lot of these teams are really valuing the rookie contracts for, for quarterbacks and trying to go all in on those windows. 
Um, now the past couple Super Bowl winners have had veteran quarterbacks on bigger deals. So, you know, it is, it does still matter with the veterans, but the rookie contracts definitely have some value. And these teams that are rebuilding probably not going to want to pay Lamar what he's asking for. Uh, next up, we have Matthew Stafford. He is reportedly healthy and has no limitations after he suffered a spinal cord contusion last year. Uh, Matt Stafford is 35. He carries over $100 million in dead cap hit this year. There's not a reasonable out in his contract in terms of dead cap uh, until 2026, when it'll drop all the way down to $18.5 in dead cap, which is that really a reasonable dead cap hit? Uh, I don't know. Um, but at that point, the 2026 season, he's going to be 38. So I, I, I worry that Matt Stafford is about to go the routes of the, the other quarterbacks that we've seen lately, like Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan, where he just hits a wall and is cooked. Um, I actually, I think it's more likely at this point that he retires than he sees out the remainder of that contract, which is through 2020, the end of the 2026 season. Um, that's another like essentially four years away here. So, I think it's more likely that he retires than he sees the end of that contract. But that being said, and and I am still worried that he's going to be cooked and just not very good for the remainder of his career. But he does have security with that contract. Like unless he retires, the Rams are not getting rid of him. Uh, he has two solid weapons in the passing game with Cook and Robinson still, and he still has McVay. So. I think he's still going to be a solid QB two, high end QB two for you for fantasy purposes, as long as he's healthy and he may even have some QB one weeks for you. And he's probably very cheap right now. So honestly, if I'm a contending team and, and I do need somebody to shore up that quarterback position, you know, maybe uh, I was relying on Russell Wilson last year and I don't feel quite as good about that anymore. Um, or I had Tom Brady who just retired. You know, and and I need somebody else to fill in so I can keep my run going here. I would float some offers out there for Matt Stafford because I think you could get him for very cheap, uh, and I think he still has a a good a solid ceiling on him. Like I said, you know, back in QB one, high in QB two, uh, provided like I said, he's not completely cooked. You know, we thought that uh, Matt Ryan was going to have another year or two left in his tank while he was in Indy, and that did not come to fruition. So I wouldn't overpay for him, but Honestly, I don't think you'd have to float much more than like a second round pick out there for him. And I, I think I would do that, especially in this class where it's a lot. It's very muddled. I think in the second round, you're going to see a, there's a lot of variation in these rookie picks here in the, in the players uh, in the rookie rankings where the second round is going to be all over the place. So you have a chance to get a guy at the, you know, 301 or the even the two the two eleven three one somewhere in that range that may has a decent chance of outperforming the guy who's taken at the two oh three or the two oh four. You know, I think that's a huge cluster there. So if I can get Matt Stafford for a second, I think I'm gonna go that route this year if I'm a contender. Uh next up at the quarterback position, Brock Purdy's return is unclear. Uh quote could be in the next six to eight months. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, six to eight months is the start of the season. 
up until like midway through the season. So that is, that's not good. Now I know they brought in Sam Darnold. They have Trey Lance there and Trey Lance is by far the most polarizing player right now, especially on dynasty Twitter. I mean, I see screenshots all the time of people's algorithm hitting them with the uh, sell Trey Lance buy Trey Lance tweets back to back. It's, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'm, I don't think his value has sunk as low as it's going to get. I think as people hear that Lance is, you know, still recovering and battling with Sam Darnold, that his value is going to dip a little bit more, but I am still buying Trey Lance. Uh, His, his upside is, is pretty immense um, with his rushing ability, his passing ability being in a Kyle Shanahan offense. I think he's rawly the most talented quarterback of that bunch with Darnold and Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy is, is what he is. He's very safe. You know, he's not going to wow you. I don't want Brock Purdy for fantasy purposes, even if he ends up being the starter there. I mean, I think he's going to be like a mid-tier QB too. Is that valuable? Sure. But, you know, I think his perceived value right now is higher than his actual fantasy value. So I don't really want Purdy right now. If I have him, probably going to move him. I would have moved him a while ago. But if you haven't, for whatever reason, I probably still look to capitalize on that that if you can. Um, Darnold, we know what Darnold is at this point. He's just going to kind of be a placeholder, I think, unless for the contingency purpose of Trey Lance not being ready. I think this is going to be Trey Lance's is shot here this year, and, and he's got to make the most of it early on in the season. You know, um, the floor could absolutely fall out on Trey Lance, and he could be worth essentially nothing. But I think you got to take a risk on him due to that upside. Like I was saying, I mean, I think he has Q, legitimate QB one upside for fantasy purposes. Um, next, last quarterback news we have: Matt Lafleur said, "quote We need to temper expectations." On Jordan Love. Now, I don't know if that means that he's thinking Aaron Rodgers could possibly still come back. I don't think so. I think Aaron Rodgers is still as good as gone. I think he's more saying that we don't really think Jordan Love is that good. I mean, anytime a quarter a coach does not out and out praise uh, a quarterback, you kind of have to worry about that. I mean, coach speak usually is overwhelmingly positive. If somebody says you need to temper expectations, that's a pretty big red flag. Um, I think as soon as Aaron Rodgers ends up, uh, I'm assuming New York, uh, who knows how that how long this saga is going to take. He may take another darkness retreat. I don't know. But as soon as Aaron Rodgers signs somewhere else, I'm looking to move Jordan Love immediately. This is if it hasn't been a red flag, the, the short windows that we've seen him, the, the small sample size we have of him. And what we saw in college, if that wasn't enough to make you move him, I think this, the coach coming out and saying temper expectations on our potential starting quarterback for next year, uh, should tell you all you need to know. Uh, And then the last bit of news that we have here, Andy Reid expects Sky Moore to step up with all of the departures that they've had in the wide receiver room. Uh, and I was looking at the wide receiver room. You know, I, I liked Sky Moore coming out. I did. You know, I, I wasn't as high as a lot of other people were on him. I think people were boosting him up too high after a combine, and he did have a really nice season, but it was at the G5 level. Um, but I, I did like Sky Moore coming up. I thought he was, a, you know, a solid player. I looked at the the roster 
there's only five wide receivers on the Chiefs roster right now. It's Marquez Voldez Scantling, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, John Ross, and Amir Smith Marset. I mean, this might be the worst wide receiver room in the in the NFL right now. Like, this is just that's bad. I mean, we know what MVS is at this point, and it is not a number one wide receiver. It is a boomer bust field stretcher. Um, and I, that's really about it. I mean, Kadarius Tony is a nice gadget player. Uh, he can do some really good things when you get the ball in his hands, but he's not a traditional wide receiver. He wasn't a traditional wide receiver in college. He started out as a running back. He got moved to wide receiver in his last like two years there. So he has not been playing the wide receiver position all that long. Um, John Ross, again, speedster, injury prone. So I'm not really interested in him at all. It really comes down to Sky Moore and Amir Smith-Marset for me. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, wide receiver coming out of Iowa. Uh, so he had very middling production in college, naturally, like most wide receivers do at Iowa. Uh, but he was a good athlete. You know, ran a 4 5 40 um, at six foot, um, just under 200 pounds. Um, you know, so he's, he's, a, he's a decent athlete there, but he's also, it's him and MVS are, are the only two that are over six foot. So I, I don't see Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore being outside players. So I think Amir Smith-Marset might be looking at a starting role uh, for the Chiefs, you know, and I, I guarantee you he's free right now. I, I'm, I would be kind of surprised if he was on, if he wasn't on waivers in some leagues, it's, it's gotta be a deep, deep league if he's not on waivers. Um, so, I mean, I would probably go look and pick him up to be honest with you. He's probably free and you know, he may not end up being anything. It's a very real possibility of that. But if he starts for the chiefs, his value starts to go up. People start to pay attention. If he has a big game, Again, people start to pay attention. Then you look to move him because he was a fifth round pick and the odds of of that long term success of, of somebody who's taken, you know, in the fifth round with very middle in college production, who is a good but not great athlete. That's that's a that's not a uh not a deep bucket of, of successful players there. So, you know, pick him up for free. If he does anything, I'm looking to ship him off. And then it comes to Sky Moore. I mean, I've seen some people talk about Sky Moore as a sleeper this year. I think that's only going to continue as the offseason goes on. That drumbeat for him is just going to beat louder and louder. I would probably acquire him now, to be honest, because I think just in terms of pure receiver talent, he's the most talented wide receiver in this room. I think he's the best wide receiver in this room. Kadarius Tony, again, very nice gadget player. Um, I don't think he is a... Uh, I don't. I don't think he's a his a real wide receiver. You know, um, if if they scheme up plays for him, he could be very good for fantasy purposes. But it's a manufactured touch, and you have to rely on uh, Andy Reid thinking highly enough of Kadarius Tony to draw up a lot of plays for him. I also don't really think his skill set matches up that well with uh, with Mahomes. I think a lot of people are picturing Tony playing the Tyreek Hill role. And that's just not him. Tyree kills much better as a receiver than, than Tony is. Um, so I'm not really that interested in Tony. I think Sky Moore is a better receiver than him. So I think Sky Moore will probably get start in the slot, honestly, this year. And, you know, being tied to Mahomes, I think there could be definitely some value in that. So I'm looking to get Sky Moore right now before his value starts to rise. I don't think he's going to be this, you know, 
locked in wide receiver two for fantasy purposes. I think he's probably going to fall into that Juju Smith-Schuster bucket from last year where he has a solid season and surprises you as he ends up at a back-end wide receiver two. Um, but more often than not, he's going to just be putting up a couple of you know steady like five, six catches, you know, 60, 70 yards, maybe a touchdown sprinkled in here and there. Um, just some some steady performances from him. So, uh, you know, if, if you can get him cheap enough, especially during the rookie draft or, or leading up to the rookie draft as rookie fever sets in and before the, uh, you know, sleeper um, hype train starts to take off, I think I would do that. Uh, but overall, I think this Chiefs wide receiver room is not very good. Uh, it actually worries me a little bit. I mean, Travis Kelsey locked and loaded wide receiver one for this team. Yes, I know he's a tight end, and I said wide receiver. He's the wide receiver one for this team. He's about to just absolutely smash again in fantasy because um, I think Patrick Mahomes isn't really going to take much of a drop off. I mean, maybe a little bit just because he had a, such a great year last year and, you know, he'll regress a little bit, but that doesn't mean he's not a great player. He's still going to be Patrick Mahomes. This offense is still going to be good. Uh, there's just a lot of uh, bargain bin pieces on this offense. They're money balling the shit out of this. And I don't really know who I want in this room, but I know I want a piece of it and I want the cheap guy in Amir Smith-Marset and I want the guy that I believe is the most talented wide receiver in Sky Moore. All right, uh, moving into pro day recaps. Uh, so we don't have a ton of news, um, uh, substantial, at least at the quarterback position. Um, Will Levis had his tra- uh, pro day, and he looked absolutely jacked. I don't know if you've seen those pictures of him on Twitter, but he is yoked. He's almost too jacked, to be honest. But um, he has definitely been been getting in a lot of training. He's been training with Jordan Palmer. I worry maybe a little bit he's working on those glamour muscles and not working on being, you know, an actual quarterback. Um, But we'll see. Uh, You know, reportedly at the pro day, he made every throw that you could ask for. He he looked good throwing in the intermediate and and short and deep, especially deep. Uh, He has the big arm. You know, that's never really been Will Levis's problem. Will Levis looks great in shorts. Um, You know, he is he's going to be the type of quarterback that's going to tear it up at a pro day. Uh, his problem is when you put him on the field and ask him to make decisions and throw with accuracy, you know, throw into some tight windows, throw with any sort of anticipation, uh, handle pressure. Uh, th- those are a lot of the things that Will Levis struggles with. So I'm still not really interested in Will Levis that much. I mean, he's going to get probably taken in the first round, I think, at this point. I mean, I know there was a report out there that he has not been interviewing well and has reportedly come across as, quote, arrogant and entitled. Um, I mean, looking at the dude's face, I could kind of see that. Um, he does kind of have that look on his face, but it doesn't really worry me that much overall. I still think the NFL is going to take this guy in the first round. Um, and, you know, especially with the dearth of quarterbacks right now, uh, I think he's going to go in the first round. If he goes in the first round, you're probably going to take him in the back half of, of the first round of your rookie draft. And I can't really blame you for that because, you know, look at Daniel Jones, you know, he just finished the season as a top 10 quarterback. Um, you know, so if he gets the right, if Will Levis gets the right coach, the right training, then sure, he could turn into something. Um, but too much has to go right for Will Levis to be good that I'm not really willing to bet on it at this point. 
you know, could I be wrong? And could he be the next Daniel Jones? And is he going to be the next Josh Allen? No, I don't think so. I'd be very surprised. Could he be the next Daniel Jones? Yeah, he could be. Um, but too much has to go right. And I'm just not really willing to bet on him. I would rather be wrong uh, in this situation and, and avoid him. Uh, moving into the next quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Nothing really to report here. I mean, another dude who looks great in shorts, you know, is out there doing backflips. He reportedly threw a ball and hit the ceiling of the practice facility on one of his throws. I mean, we knew the dude had a cannon. Uh, that's not really surprising. His problem is, is again, you know, being an actual quarterback, similar to like Will Levis, you know, throwing with anticipation, um, handling pressure, making reads, moving through progressions, actually being accurate. Um, so... Uh, you know, these pro days really shouldn't move the needle for you at all. Um, but what should, you know, I, I shouldn't say move the needle, but it's it's definitely an encouraging sign is Hendon Hooker. Uh, Hendon Hooker at the Tennessee pro day, he was actually throwing. Um, so that's a good sign for him that he was able to get in some work ahead of the NFL draft. He suffered that injury at the end of the season. There's definitely some doubt as to when he would be ready. Um, good to see that he was throwing. He reportedly is going to um, be good to go by spring. Um, so that's a good sign. Um, we're starting to see some mock drafts, too, with him going in the first round. And I'll be honest, I don't buy it. I don't think he's a first-round quarterback. Uh, he's like 25. Uh, it took him forever to actually like do anything. That offense at Tennessee was very gimmicky. Um, Corey Pereira, one of our Debbie lead over at campus .com, um, and at FF guitarist on Twitter had a really nice Twitter thread breaking down the Tennessee's offense and why it's quote gimmicky. Um, you definitely check that out for a visual example of it, but you know, the wide splits that they have with those wide receivers really stress the defense and make it easier for the quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with necessarily making a quarterback's job easier. Um, but it does make you question whether Hendon Hooker or how long it will take Hendon Hooker to adapt to a more traditional NFL offense. You know, no offense in the NFL is running these super wide splits because they they can't uh, because of the way the hash marks are. So, you know, with with Hendon Hooker, I, I don't see it with him. He's old. He doesn't run a traditional pro style offense. He has a lot of tools, but I don't think an NFL team is going to take him in the first Maybe the second, I think that could be possible, you know, if he goes to, let's say the Rams, let's say the Rams take him because they need, you know, an, uh, somebody who they feel good about behind Matthew Stafford, then I would be mildly interested. But um, I think Hendon Hooker was just a, a good college quarterback and he's going to be a guy who sticks around for a while in the NFL, but probably doesn't bring a whole lot of value to your NFL, your dynasty roster. Uh, moving into the wide, the running backs here, and this is probably the most noteworthy um, performance out of these pro days. That's Israel Abanaconda, the running back from Pitt. He weighed in at 5'11", 218 pounds. So lead back, bell cow type size, check, check that box off. Reportedly ran a sub 4440. Some reports had him as low as like 432. Uh, and at that size, I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, that's a fantastic size adjusted athlete. And we knew he was a very good athlete. You know, he has that breakaway speed. You can see that on film. That really wasn't too much of a question. 
Did I expect him to run sub 4-4? No, probably not. I thought he would check in closer to like the 4-4-5 mark, you know, somewhere around there. And who knows with the pro days, some of them are juiced, some of them aren't. It's, it's hard to determine how much stock to put into the athletic testing in a pro day. Uh, but something you can't really fake, that's the vert and the broad jump. Um, he had Izzy Abanaconda had a 41-inch vert and an 11-foot broad jump. That is some insane explosion. So that just adds another check mark to that athleticism box. So he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the burst, uh, he's got a lot of traits that you like. I think he has with that performance and the way he finished this season, the way he played this year at Pitt, um, I think he he solidified himself some day two draft capital. I think he's going to be around three running back at this point. Uh, and that's that's what you want to see out of your running backs. You know, um, you don't necessarily need to fade running backs that go in like the top half of the fourth round or like the early fourth round just because of the value that the NFL is placing on running backs nowadays. But it's definitely a plus to get that day two draft capital. I think Izzy is going to work his way into that. Uh, next up at the running back position, we have Zach Evans, uh, checked in at 5'11", weighed 202 at the combine. Uh, and then according to his agent on Twitter, he weighed in at 208 at his pro day. So added six pounds there. I think that's a good thing. You know, he's much closer to that NFL lead back size. I'm not really questioning whether he can handle um, the workload at the NFL level. Uh, I think that is... Um, you know, I, I think his size and, and his ability is going to lend himself to being able to be a lead back. Um, in terms of athleticism, his reports had him his 40 between a 445 and a 45. I haven't seen anything officially verified yet, um, at least as of recording this, which is, you know, like 11 o'clock at night on Thursday. Um, so, you know, that that's solid. You know, I'm that's kind of what I was expecting out of him. I think he he we know he's a good athlete, so I'm not that worried about that. It was nice to see him actually run. To be honest, I was a little worried that he would just wouldn't do any sort of testing at all, uh, given that you know there's I don't want to say concerns with his um, man. I'm trying to think of how to word this without trashing the guy. You know there there were rumors about him not wanting to. Um, lead a backfield and handle too many touches in college because he wanted to save himself for the NFL. Um, so there, you know, maybe he didn't run this off season because he didn't want to get hurt. I don't think anybody necessarily would have blamed him, but it's good to see him actually do some of these drills. Um, I, I think that that helps him at least in my eyes a little bit. It makes me feel a little bit better about having him as my RB three in this class. Cause I think he is very talented. Uh, I think he's pretty much a lock at day two at this point. Um, two other performances here from some guys that are a little bit lower down the board in terms of running backs. It's the first one is Zazavian Valade out of Arizona State, uh, formerly of Wyoming before he transferred to Arizona State. Uh, he went to the Shrine Bowl, checked in there, 5'11", 204 pounds. So decent size, you know, it's, it's not great. It's not bad. Uh, but he had a really nice combine or uh, pro day. Uh, he ran a mid to low 4440 reportedly. Um, and he had a 40 inch vert, 10 foot three inch broad jump. So good explosion, good speed. Um, and he's 
a player who has really nice production in college. He had two seasons over a thousand yards at Wyoming. One of the seasons he had the um, one of the seasons he had the the shortened COVID season, uh, and he had a really nice year that year as well. Uh, but he had arguably his best season at Arizona State this past year, uh, rushing for 1,192 yards, 16 touchdowns. Uh, then he had 37 catches, 289 yards, and two touchdowns to go with that. Uh, so he's a good receiving back. You know, his receiving yards market share is above the trend line uh, on our charts over at campus2can.com, uh, over on the uh, player metric plot tool. Uh, it's above the line of um, hit rate for a uh, top 24 running back season. So three consecutive years above that line. It was just below it this past year. Um, so good receiving back. The one thing with Zavian Valaday, and I think you're probably going to see some people start to talk about him as a sleeper maybe, uh, he was a combine snub. Um, that's why he had to do this at the pro day um, and look really good doing it. But it's a bad sign to be a combine snub. I mean, the, the hit rate for those players who don't go to the combine is very low. Um, the draft rate for players who don't go to the combine is also very low. So with this performance, maybe Zazavian Valade sneaks into the, the sixth round, maybe the seventh round. I think he, he might be in that draftable territory at this point. But uh, I would still caution against expecting too much from him. You know what's really scary? I was thinking about this exact player oh, this. today. We have a guest. Hi, Colin. Hi. I was on another show. Oh, so you were on another I was show. A break from this show. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> so I just had all this time, uh -huh. and I was on another show, and I saw mm -hmm. you were recording still. So oh, oh, figured nice. I'd stop by, say hi. I co-sign Xavier Valade, by the way. I, I think he's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's intriguing. You you think like sixth, seventh round draft pick now at this point? You think he gets yeah. drafted? Yeah, I think I think late day three, but I wouldn't be shocked if he makes a roster and he's like this year's Jalen Warren, maybe. Like I know Warren okay. didn't get drafted, but a guy that uh kind of comes out of nowhere and, and becomes maybe a, a dependable two for an NFL team. Okay. Okay. Did you uh did you happen to see Eric Gray's pro day today? I did not see Eric Gray's pro day. Did you talk about it already? And you're I did not. That was okay. my next. That, that was uh, your segue. Oh, and that I was my segue. It. You did a little bit. That's fine. Our our timing and our flow is off a little bit with you being gone for so long. Um, I actually we'll started. I actually started this show saying that uh, I was concerned about you, that you were on a milk carton, and that if anybody had seen you, to to please let me know. So no, thank no you for popping in. No one's heard from in. him in weeks. Please, if there's anybody out there, I just want His my baby to come home. Concerned. Um. <laughs> But yeah, Eric Gray uh, officially ran a 4.6240. Oh, yeah. Uh, 37 and a half inch vert, nine foot, 10 inch broad jump. Did, did he crawl with a f with that vert and stuff? How did he run a 4.6240? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. You barrel um, rolled. I don't, I, I don't get it. Yeah, that's this is concerning for me because I saw like unofficially somebody had him clocked at like a four five five, I think, four five seven. And then the official time came in at a four six two. Um, I'm worried about that. Are you uh you an Eric Gray guy at all? I know Corey Pereira still they talked about him recently. I have never been an Eric Gray guy. I will say he performed pretty admirably down the stretch this past year as a CFF option. Um, I, I just think in, in this year, I, I, I will confess he did run a little tougher, but usually in the past, I thought that gray was pretty soft when he was at Tennessee. 
you know, he, he, he didn't run through contact. Well, he, he, you know, wasn't great between the tackles. He was, I don't know, very poor man's Jameer Gibbs or, or Deandre Swift. Um, and he, he was pretty good this year. Does, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he still has a place in the NFL because he's a pretty good receiver, but, uh, four, six, two, I mean, did he go to the combine? He didn't run at the combine. He did not run at the combine. So he saved himself for the preferable home day and, uh, uh, struggled, struggled. That's not, uh, not ideal. Quentin Johnson, did the same thing today. So, you know, I mean, it's all relative. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A four, he ran a four five Johnson. Yeah, it's fine. It's just when you're, yeah. when you're posturing that you're going to run a four, four and you run it yeah. slower, you know, it's a good point. Kind of makes you look like an asshole, but it's um, a good point. And the same thing happened to Hyatt. And that's what everyone said. Hyatt ran slow and it wasn't slow, but right. it is what it is. Well, a lot of people were expecting Hyatt to like, you know, four, three. Um, so that was definitely like kind of disappointing for Hyatt's end, but yeah, what are you gonna do? All right, I'm going to uh to, to bed since oh, I, I wasn't here the okay. whole time. Sorry to, to throw off your groove. No, you're good. I saw you creeping in the background there for a second, and I was like, is he gonna join or is he just gonna sit there? I, I debated, um, but but yeah, like I was I was on a, a different show real quick, so I figured I'd pop on and say hi before I, cool. I headed to bed here. Well, thank go you dream, for go dream about taxes. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. That's really where I am for anybody wondering. I'm a, I work in public accounting and I'm about ready to die. So, um, yeah, you said you build what, like, or you worked like 200 and how many hours this month? 256, 260, like 260 ish. Yeah. By the yeah. end of the week, yeah. I didn't even know there were that many hours in a month. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. I have a funny, I, I, I saw a funny tweet today. I, 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 I <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of this person on here, um, but saw somebody claimed that they they worked 11,000 hours in the past two and a half years in the fantasy space. I was like, "There's no way you did that." <laughs> it, I I just quickly divided 11,000 by 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 uh, uh, 24 hours, and they gave me like 456 days, like full days. That, that <laughs> no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I know you guys miss me being snarky. I'll be back probably next week, um, and. Uh, We'll be ready to rock and roll again. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, yeah. This is I'm just learning this for the first time too that he's going to be back next week. So I'm back. I'm not. I'm not leaving. <laughs> uh... <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that note, <laughs> um, two er, running backs that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Sean Tucker did not participate in his pro day at all due to a medical issue. Uh, he did not run at the uh, the combine either, so he has no athletic testing here. Not that I'm that worried about his athletic testing. Like I think he is a good athlete. I'm not super worried about that. It shows up on tape. Uh, it is concerning though that he has a medical issue and he's not doing anything um, at any of these events. I think he was already a borderline day two guy for me, and I think with him not doing anything. And coming off of a wasn't a disappointing season at Syracuse this past year, but it was not as good as his as his previous year uh, as his sophomore year. So I am worried a little bit about Tucker. I'm thinking he's going to be a top end of the fourth round type of a guy, Um, which isn't a death sentence. Like I was saying earlier, you know, that's not a bad thing, especially with the way that the the running back position has been trending in NFL circles. They've been, been investing less and less capital in it overall. So I'm not, it's not a death knell for him. If he goes in the, the top of the fourth, depends on the situation he goes to. 
I still think he's a talented running back. He has a place in the NFL, but I'm getting a little bit more concerned about Tucker. Um, so we'll have to, because I have heard no buzz about him at all. Um, nobody even really talks about him on Twitter anymore. Um, so we'll have to kind of keep an eye out for him. And then the last running back there is Kendry Miller. He did not test at his pro day either. That's not necessarily surprising. He's recovering from a knee injury that he suffered in the uh, playoffs. Um, but uh, just a, a kind of a little concerning given some of these other running backs that are are performing well and getting some buzz. Like guys who were probably behind him at the start of the process, like a Bonaconda, um, like Tajay Spears. You know, a guy, two guys like that probably jump Kendry Miller at this point, and at least in terms of NFL, view, the way the NFL views them. You know, those are two guys who have been getting steady positive buzz throughout the offseason, and I think that matters. Um, I still think Kendry Miller's a talented running back. I still think he's probably a fringe day three guy as well, or day two guy as well, probably closer to the back end of the third, I think, than the top of the second, given how good he has looked this past year for a TCU team that made the playoffs. And, you know, how efficient he is, he was sharing the backfield with Zach Evans as well. So I'm not too worried about Kendry Miller overall, but I am getting a little worried about his draft capital as well. Uh, moving into the wide receiver position, you know, like Austin and I, I talked about with Quentin Johnston. Um, Quentin Johnston ran a 4-5 reportedly here. Uh, like Austin said, uh, as he graciously uh, popped in for a second, um, we were expecting him to run like a four, four, maybe like a, a mid four, four, like a four, four, five. Uh, so for him to run a four, five is a little disappointing. It's not bad. I mean, he measured in at six, three, 212 pounds, you know, which was up four pounds from this combine. He was 208 at the combine. So 212 at his pro day at that size, a four, five, very good. Still a very good athlete. He still jumped a 41 inch vert at the combine. This is nothing to worry about with Quentin Johnston. Um, if you see people worried about his speed, I would one, probably stop following them for advice, but two, you know, take advantage of, of any sort of a, a buy window for him. You know, his ceiling is still the same. He is the, uh, Traylon Burks of this class. He is, you know, very athletic. He's good with the ball in his hands. He's a big guy. And I think he's a guy that is, he's going to go in the first round. He's a guy that the NFL team is going to you know, try to scheme some stuff up for him at first. And you just kind of hope that he improves as a receiver overall, which, you know, he's not a bad receiver now, but he still lacks some nuance within his routes. You know, he, he doesn't have the sharpest breaks. He doesn't have, if he does, he didn't run a full route tree. He's going to need to learn some of that. So it's going to take him maybe a little bit of time. Uh, but I, I, I still think Quentin Johnson is a really nice ceiling. Um, Next up for the wide receiver position, Kayshawn Boutte. He did not retest any of his athletic uh, testing at his pro day. He's standing on his numbers from the combine, which is a very interesting choice given how disappointing he was at the combine. It was like a 29-inch vert, ran off like a 4.5 or 4.52-ish, I think, somewhere in that range. Um, not exactly what we thought when we were watching him, you know, his freshman and sophomore season. Uh, I, I still am, am leaning towards it was probably an unannounced Achilles injury for him. Can he get back? I don't know. 
but I also am concerned with whoever it is out there that's giving him advice um, to not retest at his pro day. I mean, was he going to run worse than a four five four five two? Probably not. Maybe he even improves upon that a little bit. Maybe don't do the jumps again. You know, if you're going to not do well on those, but uh, you know, do some of the other drills. I saw some drills with him p- catching passes too, and he just he didn't look the same. He still looked kind of slow. Uh, in and out of his breaks and stuff. I mean, he caught, he made a nice catch, um, you know, that I saw floating around Twitter. So cool. But um, he still has a really high ceiling if he can ever recapture that form. But he is, he's definitely been the guy who has dropped the most for me this offseason. I was very high on him coming into this past season. You know, even with that injury that we knew about coming into the season, we didn't know what it was, but we knew it was an injury. Uh, I was still pretty high on him. I still had him as my wide receiver one, and that has just not aged well. Um, but you know, here we are. We got to adapt to to new information. Uh, then the last one is Marvin Mims. Uh, he reportedly impressed with his route running at his pro day. Uh, I saw some people saying he he looked really good uh, in those drills, catching passes from Dylan Gabriel uh, at the pro day. Which, you know, just quick side note, I think it's awesome that they're letting college quarterbacks throw at the pro days. Like Jackson Dart looked really good throwing to Mingo and Malik Keith at their pro day. Dylan Gabriel looking good throwing to him. Like just getting these college quarterbacks in front of these scouts like a year early, I think is a no-brainer move. And I don't know why it took them so long to do this, but I digress. Um Marvin Mims has had a steady drum beat here this past off season as well. So I think he is locked into day two and I think he is very likely to be a round two guy, probably like a mid round two. I still get his skill set still concerns me a little bit as a uh, slot wide receiver who stretches the field and, and just kind of tears up seams. He's a good jump ball receiver, but he's not the biggest guy. Um, I'm not exactly sure what his role is going to be at the next level. Uh, I think he is a guy that I'm cautiously optimistic on. Uh, he ran much better than what I thought he was going to at the combine. I think it was like a four, three, eight, I believe is what he ran somewhere around there. Um, so way better than what I thought it was going to be. I'm interested, except cautiously optimistic uh, the landing spots going to be a, a tiebreaker between him and some other guys for me, guys like, um, you know, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, um, who actually, you know, I said last guy with Mims, but Hyatt and Tillman did uh, work out at Tennessee's pro day. Cedric Tillman ran, which is good, but I didn't see what he ran. I have not as of, you know, this is like 1130 at this point. Um, I haven't seen any confirmation on what he ran. I was looking. Um, so I'll keep an eye out for, for what Cedric Tillman ran at the 40, cause I'm interested in that, but those guys were working out at, at their pro day. So it's good to see Tillman back and working out. Um, last player here that we'll talk about is Dalton Kincaid. Now he did not perform at his pro day. Uh, that's not necessarily a surprise. He is still recovering from a back injury that he suffered at the end of the season. Um, he did not have surgery reportedly, um, and he was just cleared to start working out. So that's a good sign. Cleared to go start working, start running again. Uh, he will not be cleared for contact for another six more months, though. So, and his his he's at six four, two hundred and forty five, two hundred forty six ish pounds, somewhere around there. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about that. 
I think the hype on him has probably gone a little bit too far. You know, I think he is a very nice wide receiver. I think his ceiling is probably like a Johnny Smith type of a guy who was, it was good. You know, Johnny Smith was good in Tennessee. Um, but I, I don't know if I see him. He's, he's not really an inline blocker. He's going to have to be kind of a move tight end guy and you're going to have to move him and use him in a cr- bunch of creative ways. And I don't know. I just don't always trust NFL front offices or NFL coaching staffs to use tight ends creatively. Um, it, there's not very many of them who do. So he's going to be landing spot dependent. Uh, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on Kincaid. You know, I still like him. I still think he has the opportunity to and the ability to develop into a low end tight end one, at the next level. But um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a little more pessimistic than than I was. I, I, he's probably he's still. I think he's still a day two guy, which is going to be nice. But um, you know, I, I think some other tight ends are have jumped him in this process. All right, that is going to do it for me here tonight. Um, You guys got a little treat there with Austin popping in in the middle. Of course, as soon as I said that he was missing and that I haven't seen him in a while, he pops in. You know, Um, he's like uh, he's like Beetlejuice. When you say his name, he appears. But I will not be on the show on Monday. I will not be on Campus Life. Um, You guys will have a guest host. And I'm not going to say who it is, um, but I think it's going to be a good show. Uh, I will be out on my bachelor party, so wish me well. Um, but until I will be back on Thursday next week, and maybe Austin will be back at that point too, apparently, which we just found out tonight together. Uh, but until next time, I'm Colin, and have a good one. <laughs>